You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. from St. Michael's in Yarramant. The reading today is taken from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 8, verses 1 to 21, and we're reading from the NIV. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way, because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them and also told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Balmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear. And don't you remember, when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand? This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. If you're watching this video, congratulations. You've successfully made it through 2020 and into the year 2021. And what a ride it's been. Uh, such a challenging year. One that I think we'll be processing actually for many years to come. But for me, one of the enduring images of 2020 is supermarket shelves completely empty with food, from food. 
uh, it was a real culture shock for us. I mean, sure, we sometimes run out of things because we've forgotten to stock up and get supplies, cooking dinner, missing an ingredient, whip down and grab what you need and quickly back again. But for a long period of time, you simply couldn't get basic needs. Rice, pasta, flour, toilet paper, the things that you need to get through each day simply couldn't be found on the shelves. It was a challenge for us because we're used to having everything that we need and all of a sudden we couldn't get it. And the thing that was driving it was actually fear. People were afraid that they and their family wouldn't have what they need and so they were buying up more than they immediately needed. Panic buying, which meant the shelves got cleared. People were worried, if I don't buy it, I won't have what I need. We were challenged about, will we have the things that we need? Will we be provided for? Uh, and as we come to a new year together, uh, as people wanting to live life under God, the question that I want us to think about today is, will God provide what we need this year? Is God able to do it and will he do it? That's really the question that we come to in our Bible passage from Mark chapter 8. This passage tells the story of Jesus feeding 4,000 people. 4,000 people? I thought Jesus fed 5,000. Well, he did that too. So two chapters earlier in Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter 6, Jesus miraculously feeds a crowd of 5,000 people with five loaves, two fish, and after everyone's eaten, there's 12 basketfuls, baskets full of leftovers. And then in this passage in Mark 8, you've got a crowd of 4,000 people. Jesus feeds them with seven loaves of bread and a few fish. And there's seven baskets full of leftovers. So there's similarities between the accounts. Hungry crowds, a miraculous feeding. Jesus feeds them with a small amount of food. Everyone is full and there's leftovers. So why has Mark included both of these a couple of chapters apart in his account of Jesus' life? Mark's written a short account of Jesus' life. He hasn't included every single thing that Jesus has done. So why include two such similar stories? Well, the answer is location, location, location. The feeding of the 5,000 happens in Jewish territory and presumably the crowd is made up of Jewish people. Here in Mark chapter 8, Jesus is in the heart of Gentile territory and presumably this crowd is made up of non-Jews, Gentiles. The point being made is that just as Jesus can provide for the people of Israel, his chosen people, so now he is providing for people of other nations as well. Jesus, the king, is the great provider for all people of all nationalities. So let's think a little bit about the significance of this feeding of 4,000 people. Firstly, it does show us that Jesus has the ability to provide what we need. I mean, you've got 4,000 hungry people in the desert. Who can fix that? That's the challenge for the disciples in verse 4, even though they've seen Jesus miraculously feed people before. 
And yet Jesus does it. He's able not only to just, you know, cover over their hunger a little bit, we're told that they eat and are satisfied in verse 8. They're not even a little bit peckish at the end of all this. They've got all that they need, and there's leftovers that need to be gathered up as well. This is a mammoth feast. Jesus provides everything that they need and more. Uh, It's not half-hearted, but abundant and generous. We're being told that Jesus is the great provider for our needs and for the needs of the whole world. Secondly, what Jesus is doing here is also a preview of the breaking in of God's kingdom. It's a breaking in of the future, what God is going to do into the present. When Jesus does a miracle, it's not just about showing off his power so people think that he's great and know who he is. It's part of the way that we identify him as the great king, the great Messiah that God was sending into the world. But it's also demonstrating what God is going to do in the future. Listen to this promise from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 25. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wine strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Isaiah's painting a vision here of the future, of the new creation that God has promised breaking in. And as we watch Jesus feed this crowd of non-Jews, Gentiles, we see that this is breaking in in the reality of the present. That language of God wiping away our tears is picked up in the book of Revelation, which speaks of the end time when God comforts his people where there's no more sadness or death or mourning. Everything is made new. And part of the image of that new creation is the image of an abundant feast that God will richly provide for us, uh, something to make the foodies uh, very, very happy. So Jesus is the king who provides, and he'll continue to do so, culminating in the new creation and the great heavenly banquet. It's pretty amazing, but as we see here, people are a bit slow to work out what's going on. Immediately after Jesus does this great miracle, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, come to Jesus and they ask him to perform a sign. That's weird. He's just fed 4,000 people with very little food, let alone the other miracles of healing and other things that Jesus have done, and they're demanding a sign. It's no wonder that Jesus' response is, (sighs) we're told he sighs deeply. That's exactly what I do with my kids when I'm so frustrated, I don't know what to say, and I just go, (sighs) Jesus has performed signs, 
It's just that they're so hard in their hearts that they're not receiving the sign to accept who he is, to put their trust in him and follow him. And so Jesus warns his followers, his disciples, about this sort of attitude. He says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Uh, Maybe last year in lockdown, uh, you got onto the sourdough craze like we did, so you know a bit more about how bread works. You add your sourdough mixture and it permeates through the whole batch uh, and uh, makes the, the bread rise ready to bake. And yeast does a similar thing. You put a little bit of yeast in uh, with the rest of your mix and it spreads and affects the whole of the bread. And Jesus is warning them, watch out. Watch out for this attitude. Watch out for this sort of skepticism. Don't let it infiltrate your thinking and corrupt you. But the disciples miss the point. Jesus has spoken about yeast and so they go, yeast. Bread. (gasps) We forgot to bring the bread. Jesus is having a go at us for forgetting the bread. I mean, you can just picture Jesus' reaction, can't you? What are you guys talking about bread for? Let's go over the maths. When there was a crowd of 5,000 people and I only had five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you have? Uh, 12, Jesus? And when there was the crowd of 4,000 people and I only had seven loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you have that time? Uh, Seven. Do you guys not understand? Well, do you understand? Do I understand? Do we understand that Jesus is able to provide for us and to do that generously and abundantly. There's a couple of areas, I think, where our understanding of this might be tested. So do we understand that God will provide our physical needs? Uh, Again, as I've spoken about, it can be hard to test our trust of Jesus in this area, living in a wealthy country like Australia, because we so often can provide our own needs, we so often have what we need and more, that we don't have to rely so much on Jesus to provide our needs in the way that our brothers and sisters around the world uh, need to do that. It's actually only when things are drastically shaken up and challenged that we find out whether we're trusting Jesus in this area or not. Again, 2020 was a year for that, where those shelves were laid bare, where many people lost jobs. You might have seen your nest egg disappear very quickly. And that may have forced you to ask the question, if I did lose it all, could I trust Jesus to keep providing for me? Uh, When Anna and I first moved to Melbourne, we came here uh, for me to study at Theological College and Anna to study, to train to be a psychologist. Uh, We knew that we would have very little income for a number of years. We'd saved up money. uh, We'd sort of 
put money in the bank that we knew we were going to draw on for a few years and we'd done the maths of how much work we'd need, how much money we'd need to come in to balance the budget to make it all work. Uh, as we stepped out in faith because we wanted to serve God in this endeavour, uh, and yet it didn't quite work out. We realised that Anna's course was uh, busier than she thought it would be. She couldn't do as much part-time work as she thought she'd be able to do. Uh, some things cost more than we thought they would. And we started getting very, very stressed about whether we would actually have what we would need. We had thought we were trusting God and stepping out in faith. And yet it very much revealed to me that in the moment and under the stress, when I was under the pump, that it displayed a, a, a real doubt in many areas about whether God would provide what we needed. I was stepping out and trusting God, but I was also holding on to the rail with one hand as well, thinking, yes, God can provide our needs, but I'm also looking at our budget and I also need to make this work myself. God really challenged me to entrust him with it and to give it over to him. And he did provide our needs. He used other people being generous to us. He made it all work and we survived that. But it shook things up for us and forced us to trust in him. Maybe a similar thing has happened for you or now is a good time to prepare for a future where this could happen again. In that sort of stressful situation, do you trust that Jesus will provide the things that you need, what you physically need to get through each day? Do you understand that Jesus will provide your needs in the area of relationships? This is a really tough one. It's tough for single people who are longing for a life partner. It's tough for people who may have lost a loved one, a lifelong partner, and are wondering how to continue going through life facing the future without that person. It's tough for people who might be longing for a child and cannot have one. It's tough for people experience an estrangement in relationship, a breakdown of relationships, the end of a marriage, and wondering how you'll be sustained through the future. We say that Jesus provides our needs. Will he provide our relational needs in those areas where there is disappointment uh, and a lack of things that we're longing for? Now, saying that Jesus provides our mean doesn't, means, does, needs doesn't necessarily mean that God will provide the perfect marriage partner or the longed-for child or he'll guarantee the reconciliation of the relationship that has been broken. I don't think the Bible gives us that sort of guarantee that things will neatly work together in that sort of way. But I do think that God promises that he'll provide our needs and that he will be able to provide meaningful, quality relationships to provide the relational needs that we have in our lives. One of the key ways he does it is through Christian community through the church being the church, being family, being there together for people as they go through those relational challenges, to support one another, to love and care for one another, and to be the hands and feet 
of Jesus as we relate to each other. And of course, as Jesus came and performed these signs, he was showing God's future breaking into the present. So ultimately, Jesus will provide for us in the future at his return when the new creation comes in. Not everything is going to be neat and tidy before that time. There is much that we will need to wait for. And what a wonderful vision it is of the future. The feast laid out uh, with all supplied by God and more. Relationships restored, living in perfect relationship with our God, being in the presence of God, in restored relationship and community with others, uh, without the fractures and breakages that we often live in, in today with relationships. This passage challenges us, do we trust that Jesus will provide for us? It's a truth that we can name very simply, but the challenge from Jesus is, do you really understand and do you really trust me in this? Do we trust that Jesus will be able to provide all that we need in the areas of our life? As we face a new year, are we willing to commit even the deep desires of our hearts to Jesus, trusting him with them, knowing that he is good and loving and that he will provide for us both now and into the future. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.